As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Who you know fresher than whole? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking. Yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rap. It's like hand G rapping is prime. I'm young H.O. Rap's great for dead. Back to take over the globe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Miami Nice. I am one half of your undercover podcasting partnership, Blake Howard. Today, I'm assigning the role of Sonny, while Katie Walsh is playing the role of Tubbs. I only go back to maybe the last two or three episodes to find any time that Katie's actually playing Sonny, where she's the one that's unhinged and uh, running off and doing crazy things. But we like to alternate roles for you guys. It's so good to see you again, my friend. Yes, I, I'm happy to, to be the serious-minded family man oh that's today. good that's today. today go to our patreon for an exclusive episode that will never be released behind the paywall to see katie as unhinged as ever but yes it's, it's very exciting uh today we have a fellow man head uh, it's been a really interesting exercise for us since our show especially through miami nice has like evolved into modern man stuff we've been talking collateral we've been talking black hat particularly because we did a live show about it we haven't quite touched on public enemies i don't know when we're going to go down that rabbit hole but there's others that we are <laughs> definitely going to be approaching obviously miami vice but in the process of us doing a couple of our live screenings firstly our miami nice cut the definitive cut of miami vice screening and then a black hat hacker cut we started to hear that other people had organically made these things. And uh, I'll, we'll, we'll share another great story about the Miami Nice Cut in the future um, about someone finding out about our show and about our cut after attempting it themselves another time. But what we did find out ourselves is when we showed Black Hat Hacker Cut, a few people were like, oh, is this the Swen cut? And I was like, what the hell is the Swen cut? And then we're like, well, there's a guy named Ryan Swen. And Katie's like, I know Ryan Swen. <laughs> and, and he created a version of Black Hat that was kind of the director's assembly version. And so we thought, look, 
if someone else out there in the universe was doing this crazy stuff and what they're doing, that they seem like an appropriate and very, uh, very equipped and had the bona fides to come onto our show and talk about that sort of stuff. So welcome, Ryan Swen. If you don't know Ryan, he's written for Reverse Shot, which I absolutely love, Criterion Film Comment, our guys at the film stage. Um, and he has a great website called Taipei Mansions where you can find all of his stuff if you want to bounce off there. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on Miami Nice. Thank you for having me. Yes, this is this is a, a pleasant surprise, I guess. It's a sort of, <laughs> yeah, just like the idea of, you know, this community. Of course, I was aware of your podcast for a long time, but these sort of different people glomming onto different parts of man, I think is one of the things that really keeps the, the cult alive to a certain ex extent. Um, and, <laughs> and I think that's the, uh, I think I'm very pleased to be, uh, to uh, explore this part with, with the both of you. Yeah, I love that there's a whisper network about the Swen cut because it was <laughs> like is. we were like we're doing the hacker cut and it was just like on Twitter and the replies like is this the Swen cut and we we're like huh. this? Well, but but the first question is never like it, my first question is always inquisitions like what's the Swen cut like I just want to <laughs> I kind of like someone made some I just always am so fascinated to hear when someone goes out of their way to do this version you know and I and <laughs> so um, it's the the Miami nice cut of it all was for us. And, and I know you've probably seen this meme a thousand times, Ryan and Katie and I just often retweet it when it comes back in our timelines. It's that crowd at a sports bar <laughs> and they're all standing there and the universal logo happens. And then the like numb encore drops at the beginning of Miami Vice and they all just go crazy. And so I honestly think that that meme was part of us actually making our own Miami nice cut mm -hmm. of the movie because it was like, we do love this movie. We've talked about it inside and out, up and down, the, the scenes that do, didn't exist, the turmoil on set, on on actors, their assistants, pre-production, the film itself and, 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 and gone all around and through it. And then we're like, well, but with the greatest respect to Michael Mann, I just love that Nam Encore cold open. So it was just never enough. And we always yeah. wanted to go back. So I'd love to hear if you could just tell us because the the black hat mandem is mm -hmm. i'm gonna call it is one of the more interesting parts of the of i guess the cult of man and i know that you're oh, you're like as a a bona fide critic and a film writer and stuff i guess you you see the lineage of how it happens and i'm curious to see where you why why black hat really resonated with you to do what you did but like can you just tell us a little bit about like what your relationship with man was and then how black hat specifically made you go like, Oh, actually I'm going to do this. I'm going to muck around and I'm going to reassemble something and, and get it out there for people to check out. Sure. I mean, like, a uh, as a critic, I only really started writing in 2015, sort of late 2016. And it's, uh, sort of been like a, a part, a part-time endeavor more or less. And so I haven't really been able to see the sort of transformation, the lineage, the first man I saw was actually, uh, it was heat in 2015 which is still my favorite um and then i saw black hat in 2016 because that was around the time that you know like it wasn't like end of year stuff that i wasn't participating personally but just seeing all these films mentioned and and especially the uh, people um, like the sort of online circles i was in were really into Bla black hat and so i saw uh, so that was the, the second man the i saw the beginning katie I know. I'm like, this is, this goes beyond they, my, like a pre- 2016, they existed. Yeah, I know. They were there, the underground networks. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, so I loved, I loved Black Hat, of course. And like, it's, it, 
only grew on on further watches of the theatrical cut. Um, and when the uh, BAM BAM Cinematheque screening of the Black Hat director's cut happens in New York, it, it like seemed like this really tantalizing thing, but I couldn't really go to see it. Um, and the sort of seeming disappearance before it turned up on FX. But then again, I, I didn't have FX, so I uh, so I had to wait yet until someone uh, sent me a rip of the FX of the FX um, the dark uh, web. broadcast. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's from the dark web. <laughs> I, no, I think I think the same guys are feeding us Intel, Ryan. I feel like there's like the same guys in Sierra del Este, like with a USB, and one guy plugs it into a computer and it comes to Australia, and one guy plugs it into a computer and it comes to your house. Wait, no. so the the FX director's cut played at BAM? I believe so. It was certainly a director's cut. I think that was 2017. It was part of a Michael Mann retrospective. Right. And Mann was there, and I, uh, uh, and uh, people have told me that, um, and during when the when the car explodes, he, he just burst out laughing, um, <laughs> just just because of like the I don't know. I assume like the you know technical aspect and also right. like, the sheer sort of Gonzo uh, Gonzo show that ensues. Um, Bill so Gil, like after Bill I interviewed him there, Katie. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, Bill the, and asked him a question in that Q and A. I don't know because because it was part of the retrospective. I can't remember what screening they were about to watch. I don't think it was the Black Hat Directors Cut, but it was mm -hmm. because of it was the re retrospective. Bill Gil says so when so this Black Hat Directors Cut that's playing is at BAM. When are we going to see it on physical media? And like right even back then, he's like, when are we going to see it on Blu-ray? And man was like, I don't know. Like, it was just like, it was the most non, like for a guy who's usually eloquent and like gives these languid, perfectly well thought out answers, that one was like, oh, I haven't even considered that it's going to go on Blu-ray. I, I feel like this is a total exercise for me. Right. Know? So yeah, please continue, Ryan. This is great. Oh yes, definitely. And and like when I saw the director's cut, like it pretty much immediately hit me for, or like at least in my estimation, it is the definitive version of Black Hat. It's the... Yes. Um, it's the one that like resonates with me most strongly and sort of the, for reasons that we can get into later, it was just this sort of, um, like, it, like it seemed as good as we're going to get, unless man keeps tinkering as he does with every single one of his films. <laughs> um, so I, uh, but the quality of the FX cut, by the way, I'm not exactly sure if it's the exact same as the director's cut that played in BAM, but I assume so, or at least it's very close. Yeah. Uh, and so the quality of the FX rip, it's certainly watchable. It's, you know, uh, you know, like you can definitely see the, see the brilliance uh, in it, but it's still not of, not a great quality. And so I got the idea, I think it was probably late 2019 that I just decided, like I, I thought of perhaps uh, trying to make a cut of it that looked better. And quickly that <laughs> essentially uh, metastasized into this uh, idea of, Recutting the entire film, but a ripping the ripping the Blu-ray, which I did, um, you know, get getting a big forty gigabyte file, uh, <laughs> like just just to get all the Blu-ray quality um, that I could, and then essentially just just putting it to get uh, putting it putting as much of that footage of that quality as I could into the director's cut, and so this this uh, was sort of worked on and off over over probably three four months. And I was like, I, and I was definitely interested in it. Of course, it was this sort of undertaking. And especially because I'm not the, uh, I've, I've made short films, but I'm not uh, like a, a skilled or, or experienced editor. Uh, but 
when the pandemic happened, it sort of, among other things, like emboldened me to just keep, <laughs> to to keep going and sort of redouble my efforts. Um, and yeah, it was sort the of... Miami Nice podcast. You're cutting the swing <laughs> cut. Yeah, it's yeah. all happening. We all just go. This we got nothing else to do. Let's do the. What thing are we gonna we, do? We're gonna yeah. figure out something to do, and this is the black hole that we're gonna dig ourselves into. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. So I did, uh, so I put it out. I put it out, put it out for free because you know I feel like it should be something as widely seen as possible within within reason. Like I do not want it to get. I don't want to get raided by, by Universal <laughs> or whatever. Uh, uh, but yeah, like I, I just wanted to um, just represent Black Hat as faithfully as I could. Like certainly, there's some sequences that I really love in the film, which aren't in the aren't in the director's cut. But I, I thought it was important to just preserve it as faithfully as possible to to present it in as un uninterrupted of an experience as possible. So I just um, yeah, I made it. I put it out there. Uh, yeah, and sort of, it sort of went from there. So, man said, "I don't know when I'm doing a Blu-ray of the director's <laughs> cut," and you were like, "I'm gonna do that." Yeah, yeah. Like, gonna... Hold my gin and tonic, man. <laughs> yes. I did it as close as I could. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So, is there any? I mean, I don't know the different cuts of Black Hat as well as other people do, mm -hmm. but. Um, is there this any is why footage? we've got Ryan, because yes. Katie and I can say this definitively. <laughs> like, I've watched Black Hat. I mean, the most rigorous that rigorously that I watched Black Hat was when we took the FX cut, and I tried to get the mo like I got the best possible rip from mm -hmm. one of our boffins on the internet. So it was it was still not Blu-ray quality, but it was just close to that, and it still wasn't great because it had like gross ad breaks that I had, to, had, like the, had yeah. to fuse out and things, right. and I had to t really tinker with it to make it feel like it was a cohesive something. Um, but yeah, we're not as familiar with you, Ryan. We're going to defer to you on your expertise here. Cause you know, for the longest time I was, you know, I was like, it's a, it's like all Michael Mann movies. I think uh, the guys in James Bonding, the old James Bonding podcast mm -hmm. years ago said, even the worst James Bond movie is still a James Bond movie. <laughs> I really love that phrase. Cause it was like, oh, that's so simple, right? It's like, that's how you feel about some of your favorite artists, favorite bands, favorite filmmakers. It's like. Even the even if I said that's the worst Michael Mann movie, it's still a Michael Mann movie, which makes it better mm -hmm. than most movies. Like I'm like I'm putting it on a gradient, <laughs> on a different scale than other things. So, but but yeah, I but please tell us what it what was it like when you saw it? Because when when I saw the original Black Hat here in Australia, I saw the just the standard theatrical cut. I, mm -hmm. it, it skipped theaters. We were originally going to have Chris wow. Hemsworth and Man come to Australia. I was really <laughs> excited. Skipped theaters basically completely. Came out saw it digitally and I was like, okay. I was like, that was an interesting. I can't believe, I can't <laughs> believe Australia's own Chris yeah. Hemsworth didn't get a theatrical release of friggin' Black Hat. Michael Mann, <laughs> one of the most famous directors in the world, Chris Hemsworth. We're Australia, like we're in Australasia. There's a huge Asian community in our country as well. So mm -hmm. you've got all these huge international Asian stars that could be down here doing like a you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Australasian premiere, or, and then the, maybe they go into like Hong Kong or Beijing or whatever, and they canned it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> they really hate this movie. <laughs> because like, how do you not get beautiful Chris Hemsworth, who right now is spooning me as my background on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, how do you not get him at a premiere, like just being there? Like, I mean, look at even the Marvel movies, which obviously are gonna make a squazillion dollars and however mm -hmm. they do the math for Disney Plus and all that nonsense. But, all of those got premieres. 
Mm-hmm. Every time you can get Chris Hemsworth in Australia to do a movie premiere, you do it. It just seems ludicrous. I feel like to. he's like the most famous Australian he is. currently. Yeah, he's Probably. overtaking Hugh Jackman. Him yeah. and Kate yeah. Blanchett. Well, it, was, it was like yeah. it was like and Nicole. <laughs> it was like Nicole and Nicole. Like Nicole's still the biggest, but she doesn't Probably. come back to Oz enough. Mm-hmm. So then there was like Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe's still huge, oh, huge. Russell, like that. Yeah. yeah, like but they're just a little bit in the background. Chris is like the current champ. He's the yeah he's the current mm-hmm. champ. But so my question is, I mean, we're going to talk about sort of the minutia of the differences, but like, was there any footage from the Blu-ray? Was there any footage in the director's cut that wasn't on the Blu-ray? Was there any issue with that or no, that wasn't? No, no, no. it wasn't, it wasn't an issue because I basically, the, so I went about deciding how it took me a little bit to decide how to do it. And eventually what I decided to do was sort of, um, divide the film into its certain sequences. Um, and so I decided to. So laying it out that way, it was easier to determine what was in the director's cut, what wasn't. And so basically what I did was for each of those scenes, I or each of those sequences, I basically put the director's cut on a track. And then I, I, I looked along with the um, with the theatrical cut footage. And when the shot matched, then I would yeah. put it in. So like I've worked bas- basically with the director's cut as my foundation. Um, and there is like a good chunk of there is a a lot of footage that is only in the director's cut um but yeah it was sort of like because I had that as the base I wasn't constantly uh I wasn't uh trying to I wasn't trying to make it uh not the director's cut I, I, I even though I wanted to keep those sequences I couldn't because it was not uh it was not what the in the original cut yeah the sort of I don't know I never expected it to become called this one cut. It's sort of very funny to me that that actually <laughs> happened. Uh, but I, uh, but like the sort of technical title, I guess you could say, is uh, like the uh, Black Hat Director's Cut Approximation. And it's basically, I just wanted to have it as close to the to um, what screen at BAM or what was on FX as possible, um, even though that meant cutting out sections of footage because they had ad ads on them or the um, the rating. Uh, yes. fade in from commercial on them. And so it was just about trying to navigate the right balance while uh, putting in as much of the theatrical footage as possible. I was just going to ask, like, because you seem to love the theatrical cut as well, because mm-hmm. that you said that was like the first thing you saw and sort of fell in love with Black Hat. Yeah. yeah. So is there I, like a preference? I mean, you like the, the you like the director's cut. Yeah, the director's cut. I mean, like sort of. I think the director's cut sort of uh, it, for me, it's embodies, it embodies perhaps best of any of his films, this sort of Hoxian uh, nature to the film, the the way it's about professionals working together. I love that it's about, um, like, it, it's about America and China working together uh, on this on this potentially global threat. Um, and so what the director's cut does, um, this is almost certainly the most well-known difference, is that it moves the... Um, it moves the uh, the stock exchange hit to the to the beginning of the film, um, and and the reactor to the reactor explosion basically dead center of the film, and so that sort of definitely clarifies the uh, the linear progression of the film, and it makes it almost it makes it just this really really tight, really logical, really forward action film that still has all like most of the flourishes that the uh, theatrical cut has. And so it's, it's basically for me, like speaking of Bond, it's it's basically like a, a globe trotting 
like action action almost spy film uh, and i think that's it's most clearly conveyed in the in uh the um, the director's cut that's what i couldn't hang on to ryan when i watched the mm-hmm. the uh the original theatrical cut was it just felt like tonally the emotions were all that like you know people talk about modulating like it's it's extremely hard to do like if films are good films are a miracle right like the way mm-hmm. that you can control the tone right and elevate the stakes and go through the whole process to you know finding out the bad guy and especially with the way that the bad guy in black hat is like a mystery is mm-hmm. not even engaged with until like the last 35 minutes of the movie in any right. way shape or form other than he's just this wraith that exists out mm-hmm. there online you don't really see him the first time i saw that director's cut even with the crappy you know ratings and some of the ads <laughs> and all that garbage i was like oh this is this is a clear mood like it just had such clarity i was like oh mm-hmm. i get it like and all of then the things that i thought were weird about the jump backs all made sense mm-hmm. to me because especially when you learn that this was ha- the, the director's assembly was how they had originally brought it together it was how it was originally right. conceived and it was just a matter of going we are going to uh put this nuclear thing a uh, nuclear uh meltdown at the beginning of the film because maybe that increases the stakes that always killed the stock exchange for me because it's like mm-hmm. who cares if they're messing with the stock exchange at this point right right um, and and it was always like the stock exchange we we just saw a movie in 2012 where there was a really great stock exchange thing and it was bane <laughs> in the dark Knight rises <laughs> like going and robbing the stock exchange in gotham like there was kind of like that you know we've seen a big stock exchange heist and the way that it was structured it was like when it escalates to nuclear that he can shut down a nuclear plant i was like wow the stakes are really really real here but then it's a bait and switch it's all about money <laughs> and so i really liked that in that way you know to talk about traditional action it's like it's a bit diehardish, right the stakes are sure. high they, they escalate to this nuclear meltdown you think this guy's an international global terrorist but you know he doesn't have any ideology he's ideologically vacant he just wants money so mm-hmm. it's just like mm-hmm. it kind of makes that cool and makes it really close quarters at the end it makes sense but so i just as soon as i saw that i was like oh well, this actually feels like a michael mann movie and it feels like it's got an essay that it's trying to say something and i just like I, we always love to say about Miami Vice particularly, and I think Katie nailed it, which is like, if you read the, if you gave the Miami Vice script, I think we're talking about one time in Katie's, it's like, if you read the Miami Vice script and you gave it to another director, they would make a garbage movie. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Did they say that? I don't yeah, remember well, saying like, that. Well, it, was something like, it, was, it was something like that. It was like, they, they, they just yeah. couldn't make, like, my, but what Michael Mann does, it's all the stuff, the constant movement and motion and tone of each Mm -hmm. scene and each like establishing shot and how it moves that actually elevates the whole thing because if you just got someone to read the script and go take it away and make it it would it's very flat and so that but that's what i mean that's always found with blackout it's like it looks fantastic love some of the actors love some of the action love like the international globe trotting nature love all this sort of you know trade crafty espionage but as soon as i saw that director's cut i was like oh this is actually a movie. <laughs> I think people would have really jive with it. And I still think yeah. that. I see it trends on Netflix all the time. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. why couldn't this be the director's cut? It's why. It makes no <laughs> sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting that it has become among the uh, young man heads, as we mm -hmm. always like to talk about them. That, that sort they of, have... I'm, I'm sort of in there. I'm just <laughs> oh, yes, Ryan, you are a representative. You're a key character. <laughs> well, you're a key character, Ryan. <laughs> Look, as the um, elder states people, we welcome you. <laughs> we, oh, thank you. We embrace you in, in the, because we know that you guys are doing something on another part and another patch that we can't do. You know, this you guys are doing some heavy lifting. Heavy. So. <laughs> <laughs> when public enemies starts getting the reappraisal, then we'll be like, yeah. "Wow, they did it! They did it, Joe." Look, um, <laughs> I have to, I have to say, Noel Schwartz, who's a friend of oh, yeah. One Heat Minute Productions, wrote a brilliant book that oh, right. saves mm -hmm. public enemies for me. I read it and I was like, right. oh, I, "I get it." It was about just this. That. It's, it's you can buy it on Kindle for like a few bucks. Yeah. Okay. Anyone who's listening, I'll make sure I link it in the show notes. But Niles is a friend, a terrific mm -hmm. writer, like letter. a beautiful. Like the exegesis on public enemies is like what unlocks it because there's so many great moments in public enemies. Do they all cohesively work together to make an amazing film? Maybe not, but are they great moments? And Niles is like explains some of that stuff in such a really great way that helps you relook at the film. But yeah, so we've had yeah. Niles, we've got people like Ryan over in the black hat corner <laughs> over here. Yeah. So that's, that's but also on the public enemies note, I do also recommend Jim Tellerolli's short uh, uh, Digital Destinies, which basically is like this sort of abstracted version of the of the um, shootout, uh, like the, the forest shootout at night, and it's it's really a, a great short as well. It's a short film. Yes, uh, experimental short film. I'm not sure oh. if it's online right now, but uh, if it is, Ryan, can you send it to us and we'll make sure we link it so people can check yeah, it sure. out, especially if it's out there. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, it, it's it is online on on Movie Notebook. Oh, great! Yeah, oh, so yeah, I'll send it to you. Great. Um, As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Um, but I was just going to say, you know, for the young, the young soldiers out there um, doing the black hat, waving the black hat banner, <laughs> they're doing it based on the theatrical cut, which frankly yes. I don't like. <laughs> um... <laughs> Because when we watched the hacker cut, I was like, oh, I get it. Like it was the first time I watched Black Hat with the theatrical, I was just kind of like, I couldn't find a way into it. Mm -hmm. Like I was like kind of 
out of it and not really connected to the characters. And um, so, but when we like, you know, what we've been saying, which is like, you know, it's got this forward momentum, it's linear, it's logical, it is, it's got momentum, it's like propulsive, um, we're moving towards an end uh, climactically, and it's like not kind of taking you out of it. I, I was like much more into Black mm -hmm. Hat. But um, but yeah, I just want to salute those young soldiers out there who are like doing it off the Netflix theatrical cut. <laughs> so, via Kundios. <laughs> I just found the title. Um, okay, so now, Ryan, I have to ask as sure. well is you were talking about the China America relationship. And I think that mm -hmm. that's such an important thing. And especially in your cut, which I've got to check out. Um, I, and I couldn't watch it before we did the hacker cut, but it, you know, it just is this glorious, as you say, approximation of the director's cut. Mm -hmm. I was like looking at the work that I'd done, but with much crisper footage, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh wow, this is great. Um, so maybe, uh, Katie, that's one we can show and we'll invite Ryan along to our discord and we'll show yes, it. Yes. Yeah, live yeah, yeah. We've got chat. to do the, the, the Swen cut. 100%. That, that would be <laughs> or we'll call it the Black Hat Director's yeah, Cut Approximation, approximation. You can, if you that's can do what either. you prefer. Uh, <laughs> Swen Cut is, is good. I, 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 I come to like it. It's, yeah, a, fun, it's, it's a funny thing. Ryan, it's the coolest thing ever. It's, it's so the coolest. Cool. <laughs> it's yes, really cool. we love it. <laughs> but I think in the... Um, that would be really fun. Yeah. I think in the Director's Cut, though, it gets at one thing that's great is like the fact that America and China are forced to work with one another in the movie to get the outcomes here, it almost predestines that it's not going to work. That's what mm -hmm. I love about like the real, like big superpowers don't want to share information. Yeah. And like, that's the, this is not going to work. Like, I love that that's what the whole essay of the film is like, oh, maybe two individuals mm -hmm. who are motivated to do something good can look across the different lines and look past ideologies and look past, but countries, entities, they don't do that. They don't join forces. It's not ever going to work. They're not ever going to give you the tools and the, the things that they're going to do. And I feel like that in the Black Hat director's cut, your swing cut, our hacker cut, whatever it is, mm -hmm. the, the, the triangulation of Michael Mann's vision like is so clear that he's just going, that's actually why what makes criminals thrive is because mm -hmm. they just carve the ways through these huge ideological entities and they just live in the gaps because they can mm -hmm. know that on a smaller scale, we can bribe this person, we can bribe this region, we can bribe this, you know, county, whatever the case may be, we can bribe these um, dock people to get us into this country. And I think that that's so clear. And it's like, oh, that's what it is. This, this part, this portrait of international crime shows how like in the digital world, it's all about navigating these superpowers who will do no business with each other, but I can do business with everyone because I have no ideology. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely the the arc of the film in terms of uh, just like moving from this group to these lone wolves is just something that I find very affecting, especially because the the relationships between uh, between the um, central the central characters I think is so strong. Uh, um, just like in this sort of sort of uneasy collective that close uh, that gets drawn closer and closer in together. It's just this. I mean, like of, of course, like the the Olachika, uh, part is the uh, is like the the crown jewel of that, but it, it really it just really uh, really comes through, of course. Oh, Viola Davis, <laughs> national love, treasure. Yes. She's the best. But I love the global get... international galactic treasure. Yeah. <laughs> but I love how that in the director's cut, the Viola 
um, throwing her weight around with right. the guy who works for the trades commission in that exchange mm-hmm. in the restaurant is so much earlier. So then that she's like a badass from like the get go. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's one thing I like treasure in all the director's stuff is like that scene where she's like, Hey, this is how it's going to go down. And she just like plays it out. And this is what I'm going to say to the media. I'm like, that's true. That's like Michael Mann writing 101 shit and she just chews it up and like that's the thing that i love 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 in the in the director's cut because she you get to see how much of a badass she is earlier and then it leads to that perfect crown as you said the ola chica crowning jewel <laughs> it's just so good at the end it's great yeah, yeah yeah um and and speaking of that i think that one of the key insertions or like one of the key things that's only in the director's cut is this early early moments of uh of liaising uh between one home and the uh, and the american or in the american side you have you have roba showed in there earlier you get sort of actual introduction to viola davis and it's just this really um just integrating him in more and also the the just this uh roba show being in the actual uh in the actual uh uh scene that bunch scene where 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 she uh, where she takes down the uh, the stock exchange guy is sort of interesting for uh, for myself because he's not visible on the theatrical cut. But to show this sort of it sort of realigns the film because one of the sort of more interesting structural changes is that in the director's cut, I don't think that Chris Hemsworth actually shows up until about fifteen minutes into the film. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's just all about the uh, all about this investigation of this stock exchange and to see the way it flows to him picks him up and then gradually he sort of overtakes it because he's um, of this driven nature that uh that man is trying to create in both his characters but also in his own idea of how uh, the digital world works how it requires these sort of breaking of traditional ideas uh traditional ways of doing things it's just really uh, really fantastic for me he shows that he sees the code and he knows that it's his and yeah. Hathaway's code so early. Mm-hmm. And so all those other moves are him just trying to get Hathaway out. Like <laughs> the, that's what, that's why I'm like, Oh, reorient it. Cause he knows that it's he and Hathaway's code. So he knows he's got to convince them that the only way that it's actually going to get solved if it's Hathaway. And so I like that with him because he, mm-hmm. he keeps it very understated. He's like close to the chest. Sorry, Katie, please go. No, I just I, I thought it was really interesting, Ryan, what you were saying about the digital world and mm-hmm. that it's about I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it's like doing things in a different way or like disrupting things in a different way. And like mm-hmm. I wonder if we can, you know, if like the hacking and the digital um I don't know, cowboys or whatever you want to call <laughs> these people, like if that's sort of reflective of like man's approach to like digital filmmaking. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's sort of uh, certainly with his early digital filmmaking, including Ali, I think uh, that that's sort of left out, I think, a lot. Um, but those shots of uh, of Will Smith running at nights are just um, some really beautiful stuff. And so the integration of that and, of course, lateral nine advice and public enemies, these are very sort of like they're trying to do things with um, with the digital image that you simply can't do on film. And so I think that that's that's sort of the the an idea of powering Black Hat is this idea of being able to do to wreak havoc on a massive scale that can't uh, that could never be done before simply just with this push of the 
uh, of the enter key, you can you can drastically change the price of soy. And the another uh, scene that's added in for the director's cut is that one um, on the on the boat that the shipping soy, and they the the insurance is too low because of the massively inflated price. Um, and yeah, it's sort of this uh, one of the things that Black Hat especially in this form, uh, reminds me very strongly of. And this is a comparison that I, uh, my friend Evan has has made to me. And we're both uh, very, uh, we're both extraordinary fans of Fritz Long. And so it really reminds me of the Mabusa films um, and the and the way that, like, even in the, the first part of uh, Dr. Mabusa, The Gambler, there is this uh, stock exchange scene uh, where the sort of alleged kidnapping of this, uh, of this, uh, ambassador like triggers this sort of drive in sales and you get that but on an even larger scale you get that around the world you get that um through just these little seemingly little actions and of course the um the way that man counters that is with the finale with with uh Chris Hemsworth stabbing the black hat 20 times with, <laughs> with a screwdriver I mean like that's sort of that's sort of um it's not a new idea but this uh, this this very visceral thing is needed. This vis very visceral, very personal thing is needed to counteract the uh, to counteract this digital ambiguity. Oh my god, that's so fascinating. Yeah, like because stabbing is like the most intimate mm -hmm. way you can murder someone, and it feels anyway. like it, no, but it also feels like um, that's where there's like that corollary with heat because you see with heat, it's obviously all the bigger sequences are all leading up to. The intimacy of the moment of Hannah and Macaulay being together. And then you see the Dark Knight go, oh, we've got to do the same thing. So the whole movie has all these gigantic sequences. And then it's just like a very intimate fight with a couple of dogs and the Joker and Batman on a rooftop. And that's it. And then a, like a, and a conversation between three ambiguous characters at the end of the movie and then skyfall does the same thing it's like okay we're going to take james bond through the dark night so then it, it but the, they don't realize they're going through the same prism of heat and it's like that same thing of like just all the massive sequences leading up to all this intimacy and taking mm -hmm. away the controls and it, uh, the end is that kind of mano a mano thing i think it, it totally works but i i think your friend evan and yourself coming up with that fritz lang thing i I love hearing that so much because I have never <laughs> thought about it before. I know. But I, but I would imagine if you said to Michael Mann, what films influenced you, it wouldn't be anything contemporary. He'd be like, well, you know, I was thinking about Fritz Lang and I was thinking about, <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that would be in his wheelhouse, in his references. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's exciting. I love, I love that everyone is uh, out here, you know, comparing black hat to fritz long oh, so yeah i don't <laughs> imagine they're doing that from the netflix queue but the, i love that the swen <laughs> cut uh, i think katie's coined it the soy boys is that, is <laughs> Did I say that? No, no. I mean, yeah. this, she's like that's the black hat fandom should be called the soy boys um so, so um i have to ask in wrapping up so when you like this has been a great chat but when you actually release you know it sounds mm -hmm. so dumb because the release of Snyder Cut is just in our vernacular now but like when you released the Swan card when when it when it went off like did mm -hmm. it did did people start like watching it did you ever have a moment like oh my god I didn't realize how many people would want to watch this or consume it because Katie and I have had that experience on our show which is mm -hmm. 
we wanted to talk about Miami Vice together. We talked about it offline many times. We've caught up a million times. Obviously, she's a, now not only a key part of a key collaborator, but she was a frequent guest on other shows. We talked a million times and we did it. And then it felt like everywhere we looked, people were talking about Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. And similarly, like with Black Hat, it, since we've even talked about it, like the lineage of this obsession that people have had with Black Hat is like growing and you kind of get to see the chronology of like, oh my God, this is where it sort of started and this is where people were resonated with some people, it didn't resonate with others. So when you did it and you locked it off like 2020-ish based on your timeline and you mm-hmm. get it out there, when do you know that it's massive? Like to just thousands of people start downloading it and watching it and getting in touch with you? Like how does that work? Yeah, I mean like, uh, so I first put it up on Mega for like the first weekend or so, then I decided to take it down and, and make it sort of, not invite only, just like request only by request. Yes. Um, and so that first that first weekend, like the only thing I could really see was was you know the reactions to my tweet, which are very positive, which I was really happy about. And like it, it got a it got a good amount, good amount of of circulation, and uh, and it was is basically that, and also looking on the on the new letterbox reviews and, and seeing which people mentioned the director's cut and so that was that was nice in of itself it, it wasn't the majority but it was still nice to see that but i think the really the thing that does sort of surprise me and i'm, I'm very happy about it is just uh you know the just the steady trickle of people who dm me people still probably dm me basically daily um to ask to see it um and i send them link um and I assume that, that something like that will, will uh, there will be another spike uh, when this podcast after the uh, podcast, yeah, after the yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also did have another time where it spiked uh, thanks to someone else who was uh, trying to trying to recut it also, and then I then I was notified, and then there was uh, a lot of people who started downloading my cut again or requesting my cut again, and that was a, a huge deluge, which I was really happy about, of course, also, <laughs> even if it took a lot of work, uh, but yeah, it was. Just, I think it's more the just the continued lifespan of it, like whether it's people learning about on the blank check Reddit or just hearing about it from friends or something like that. Just that, just where people somehow seeing my tweet uh, like a year or two after after I, I released it. Uh, it. It's just this nice sort of ongoing lifeblood thing. Um, uh, that this continued interest in it, I think, is is something that I'm really happy about and I'm really happy to be like if if hopefully when Michael Mann releases the the Blu-ray of the director's cut, I'm happy for that to take precedence because you know there's a lot of footage that uh that is um that would look much better in blurry quality and you know not with the sort of kind of awkward editing that I had to resort to at some points. Um but for now I'm happy to be that uh, to be one of the I guess standard bearers for for the director's cut. So like when you were cutting it like were you like i'm just doing this for myself like this is just like a fun hobby pandemic times or were you like did you know that like this black hat love was like circulating were you like i'm alone on this island or did you did you have other friends on your black hat island oh no i i have, I have lots of friends i think it, it is it is still like it it i mean among my circles it is revered as one of the very best mans i do think it is a masterpiece that's i don't know if it's even top three man for me because it's just simply the the impact that the key um, and manhunter have and miami vice especially have had on me is it's like so great that it's sort of it's a difficult club to break into but but i do put black hat right up with those and to um so i i knew i was going to 
when I cut it, I knew or started cutting, it, I knew it was designated for a release. It was never something that I intended to just for myself. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I had already decided that I was going to put it out and put it out for free. That's awesome. It's it must be kind of fun to like, yeah, I love that you talk about how it has like this like ongoing life of yeah. people DMing you every day, being <laughs> like, Let it. me see that's one cut. I love it so well, much. The 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 thing I love about it is that it just the the spikes of people listening to it just organically and uh, there's a really great um, Australian physical media uh, uh, boutique Blu-ray label called Imprint Films and recently mm-hmm. they've been compiling stuff like there's a, a terrific um, Osterman Weekend Sam Peckinpah collection that just came out, oh. just as an example, oh. right? <clears throat> where they had the theatrical cut and then they did their best to restore Peckinpah's cut that he kept mm-hmm. to himself because he t- basically wanted to take his name off the movie and he kept to himself. And I'm just like, Michael Mann is the exact filmmaker that you need these kind of physical media <laughs> collections for. So you can go, I want this version, I want the Ali theatrical cut, then I want the director's mm-hmm. cut that came out, then I also want the one that he did as an anniversary to Muhammad Ali's passing. I want yeah. them all. Like I don't, mm-hmm. there's nothing here that, um, yeah, there's nothing here that I wouldn't want out of this, you know? And so that's what I, uh, every time I talk to someone new, when we're talking about different cuts, I'm like, yeah, why don't I have black hat theatrical cut and the director's <laughs> cut? Like, do you, I think at the, the, the reactions that both, both of us, Katie and I, and you have gotten like, that's there's thousands and thousands of people out there who mm-hmm. will instantaneously buy this. Like, oh yeah, like it's not even a question. Even if you put it limited run, fifteen hundred Blu-rays, they'd be gone in like a heartbeat. Yeah, like, <laughs> totally. The It'd be like just selling go. on the on the black yeah. market. <laughs> yeah, the scarcity, the enhanced yeah. scarcity would drive the price of yeah that Manhunter black limited, hat futures. That that Manhunter <laughs> limited edition, I paid like a hundred and fifty American dollars <laughs> for because I missed the original run. Um, so yeah, uh, I was devastated, but yeah, like the, these like limited runs that come that are like stuffed with all the things mm-hmm. that you want, like mm-hmm. every version, the Manhunter theatrical the director's cut. Like, it's like the, f- if any fans are out there, it's Michael Mann fans. I just don't understand. I'm like, and so <laughs> if, if, just so everyone knows here, people who are listening to us for the first time, cause you know, Ryan or people who are listening to us are in this conversation, just so all of you guys know. I do have contacts in imprint films and I do regularly <laughs> say you need to do this. Like, <laughs> like I, and so sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not, but like, I'm always pushing for man stuff. Like if there are multiple versions, they need to have both versions. Like in Australia, you can get the Mohicans directors definitive mm-hmm. edition and the theatrical cut on a double disc. You can Ooh. still get it. You yeah. can't get it anywhere else. Um, you know, and I've, probably bought it like three or four times um, because I'm sending them to people. Um, but, yeah. uh, but, but like, you know, that's the stuff that, you know, I think all of us just truly want. Mm-hmm. And we will be out there cutting our own cuts until we get <laughs> Until we, we get it. Until we get it. The Miami Nice cut will be retired. The Swen cut will be retired when we get what we want, which is yeah, every exactly. cut. And when our can, demands are met. When our demands are met. And if I if I can if I can lobby for a Miami Nice cut on the on a Miami Nice a Miami Vice Blu-ray, I think uh, that's the that's the one, right? That's the yeah. one, Katie. <laughs> then we'll know we've made it. Then we'll know we've made it. Guys, look, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Ryan, thank you so much for 
coming onto our show and chatting to us. It's so awesome um, to, to link up and thank you for your great work and whether you're hooking up with the blankies in their Reddit, uh, I'm scared of Reddit. So um, more power yeah, to I Redditors. I'm, I'm scared of Reddit um, and, or, or linking everyone up or um, uh, uh, the conductor of, I think, many arms of the Michael Mann fandom, Bill Gatabiri, often mentions things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, bless his heart. So thank you so much for coming and chatting to us and thanks for your like your pandemic project that turned into this amazing thing that exists it's great so yeah Yeah. it's been great talking to you where can people find you if they want to check out your stuff other than um, your website Taipei Mansions is there anything else that you want to point people to who are listening I mean really just my Twitter uh, Swen SWN underscore Ryan Uh, there's that I have I do have two podcasts of my own. I have uh, Callous and Witness, which is about the New York Film Festival, and, uh, 20, and I'm the co-host of 24 Hours Don't Make an Ideology, uh, which is about the show 24 um, from a from a sort of retrospective, also sort of political lens. And yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm just around. You can, you can find my writing just on my website uh, or links to it at any rate. And DM Ryan if you would like access to this one. Code. Yes. <laughs> and if you're a fan of One Heat Minute Productions, jump onto our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. We will talk to Ryan. We'll hook him up with a free access to our Discord, and we'll maybe do a little chat about the Swen card and get a uh, and get a live Discord going, uh, a stream event or something like that. We can get that going. That might and that might be fun. We can all have a little that chat would be before. Fun. Yeah, I love that. You can you can talk to some of our frothy fans, um, and uh, we can uh, and we can get. Some something going but that sounds great yeah Guys. i feel like there, there's so much i still uh have less left to say it's, it was really just the the process of it and like just finding out so much about the minutia i can't i couldn't you know name off every single every single thing uh every single cut like uh, where it came from but it's sort of this even just the the process of discovery it actually made me appreciate man more as a director uh this process just of this uh you know uh shot by shot uh, sort of examination of Black Hat, it, and you know, noting even just how long shots were, it it really helps uh, me appreciate Man even more. So these sort of projects, like they do have uh, value in, in mul- multiple different avenues, uh, and I was I'm very happy that, it, that this one took this form. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to like talk about it again, and and I think it would be fun to do like a live chat and kind of examine all the little minutia details and all of that would be a blast. I know it would be a blast for us and and for everyone who enjoys this kind of thing. Yes, I'd be happy to do. Thank you. All right. Calling all you soy boys. Get ready. Um, (laughs) Get get your investments on your soy futures ready, baby. We're (laughs) we're going to talk to Ryan again. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.